Today, answers matter more than ever before. That's why IBM is helping businesses manage customer questions with Watson Assistant. It's conversational AI designed to work for any industry. Let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash Watson Assistant. All black people have been waking up with a heavy heart. I wish America loved black people as much as they love black culture. You can't tell me when that man had his knee on my brother's neck that that smirk on his face didn't say I'm protected. And as a young person, you gotta you gotta listen to our perspective. Our voices need to be heard. I'm 23 years old, I don't know all the answers, but I feel how everybody else is feeling. Imagine the cries from a six-year-old girl that just found out her daddy's been murdered for the world to see, violently, for no reason. As a black man, raising black kids in America, we're scared as hell. I got brothers, I got sisters, I got friends that are in the streets that are out here that are experiencing just discrimination day after day, dealing with the same bull****. See us outside of just being entertainment and walk with us lock in step even when it's uncomfortable. I got a grandfather that marched next to Dr. King in the 60s. He was amazing. He would be proud to see us all here. We got to keep pushing forward. We need more leaders. I can't breathe. I can't breathe. We want to come out here and let our, let our voice be heard because we stand for the truth. We stand for justice. Being a celebrity, being an NBA player, don't exclude me from no conversation. Welcome to The Jump. I'm Rachel Nichols, and what you just saw there was a small taste of how the NBA community was involved in this weekend's protests, rallies, and cleanup events. And I want to note that the official arm of the league was behind them. While over the years, so many other sports leagues have made it implicitly clear to their players there are consequences for speaking out against police brutality and discrimination, Adam Silver yesterday explicitly sent out a memo going the other way, saying he was, quote, heartened by the many members of the NBA and WNBA family speaking out to demand justice, urging peaceful protest, and working for meaningful change. And Silver was joined by prominent black voices from around the league. Doc Rivers lived through the Rodney King riots back when he was a player for the Clippers. He lived through vandals burning his house down because he had dared to marry a white woman. And now he is living through this. Quote, the response we are seeing across the nation to the murder of George Floyd is decades in the making. Too often people rush to judge the response instead of the actions that prompted it. We have allowed too many tragedies to pass in vain. This isn't an African-American issue. This is a human issue. And Michael Jordan, the NBA's only black team owner, said, quote, I am deeply saddened, truly pained, and plain angry. I stand with those who are calling out the ingrained racism and violence toward people of color in our country. We have had enough. We must listen to each other, show compassion and empathy, and never turn our backs on senseless brutality. Our unified voice needs to put pressure on our leaders to change our laws, or else we need to use our vote to create systemic change. Of course, we all know that what's going on right now isn't going to be fixed with statements, and it's not a problem the sports world is going to go out and solve for everyone. The divisions and inequalities in this country are deeper and wider and more insidious than one segment of our society could possibly wrap its arms around. But make no mistake, the sports world is part of this conversation. 
In America, it's our sports teams that are often a city's most visible business. We all know wearing a hat with our favorite team's logo is shorthand for how we identify where we're from. In a lot of places, there are more people in a stadium on Sunday than there are in church. So when sports teams officially, publicly come down on the side of those wanting change, it matters. And it matters for athletes to be heard too. Some of these players are the most visible young black men and women in America. Their voices carry not just in their own communities, but throughout the country to fans who might not have any friends who look like them or know what it is like to wake up every day and be them. Back in the 30s, it was Jesse Owens shaming Adolf Hitler. In the late 1940s and 50s, it was Jackie Robinson bringing change to America one crack of the bat at a time. In the 60s, it was Bill Russell, Kareem, Jim Brown, Muhammad Ali, and they beget Tommy Smith and John Carlos, and they beget Colin Kaepernick. And now we see a new generation of athletes taking up the mantle. So today on The Jump, we're going to talk about basketball, and we're also going to talk about what's going on in this country, because the two subjects are indeed related. And I want to bring in a couple of NBA champions to help me do just that. Kendrick Perkins, Richard Jefferson, welcome. Richard, what was your reaction to the events of this weekend surrounding the death of George Floyd and how visible NBA players made themselves? Well, one, I just want to say how proud I am of, of all the people that are speaking out. But I think America needs to understand they're looking at George Floyd and what happened and, and the, the fire that it has caused. But let's go back just a couple of weeks and we see what happened to Ahmad while jogging. And he was pretty much lynched by three individuals who are now brought to justice. But for months, they hadn't been brought to justice until the video came out. Then you turn on your phone or you turn on your television uh, a couple of days lead later and you see Amy Cooper uh, accusing a young African-American uh, in Central Park and calling the cops on him. And then a couple of days later, you have the George Floyd situation. And all of this is going on when the majority of America is still at home, is still under quarantine. And these incidences are still happening. So that lets you know that this is not one incident. This is not two. This is not three. This is months. This is years. This is decades. This is generations of anger that has has been boiled up to a point. Do I agree with all the destruction? No, but I do understand, too, that some of these people are so upset, they're so fired up, and they're so riled up that nothing is going to stop that fury right now. I'm with you, RJ, but, but Rachel, first, let me just say a, a thank you. Thank you to Jalen Brown. Thank you to Malcolm Bargain. Thank you to Steven Jackson. Thank you to Jamie Foxx. Thank you to Bun B. Thank you to Trey The Truth, the rapper. Why? Because they're standing on the front line. They're actually out there in the thick of things. And I don't know if people realize, but standing on the front line and being front liners, like, you have to think about it. Some of the all-time greats who who spoke up for civil rights and and, and Martin Luther King and, you know, Malcolm X and, and Muhammad Ali, they lost their lives. They went to jail behind this. So, you know, my prayers out to all those ones who are standing on the front line and actually out there, you know, marching with the people and protesting. But here's the thing. Can we change racism overnight? No, we haven't been able to change it over hundreds of years. But what we can change overnight is the system. The system is what got everyone in an uproar. I mean, yes, racism plays a huge part, but it's the system. It's almost like we need to be able to call the police 
on the police. And what's going on right now is that, you know, we as African-Americans are watching, you know, these police officers get away basically with murder. Like right now, yeah. It was four cops that, that, that took, that had, that played a, a role in George Floyd, you know, murder, said I say. And they, that's what happened. And only one of them is in jail. When they're out there protesting, they're saying no justice, no peace. Meaning, you know, we could nip a lot of this in the book, in, in the bud by just having to, you know, arrest the other three officers. So, you know, I don't have all the answers, but I do know that arrest immediately arrest being uh, taking action and immediately arresting the officers for doing wrong, taking action right then could solve a lot of our problems. And so those people out there that are racist and have that hate in their heart, I only have a message for you. One thing to say to you, cleanse your soul, cleanse your soul. Thank you, Kendrick. And thank you, Richard. Words that we all need to listen to. And look, the NBA is again trying to step in to be supportive and helpful. Uh, the NBA Coaches Association has actually formed, according to Adrian Wojnarowski, a special committee to try to work with cities and address some of these issues so they can take more of an active, hands-on role. And I have to say that I have seen athlete activism in so many ways over these past few years in the NFL, in Major League Baseball. But when you look back at where it all started, so much for this generation of athletes started when that Miami Heat team posted that photo of them all in hoodies to protest the Trayvon Martin death. And that's something that we hadn't seen in really decades, that level of athlete activism. So I've looked at everything that has come from that. And we talk about, hey, LeBron James is almost to that point of retirement in a few years, and Chris Paul and Carmelo Anthony, Dwayne Wade is already retired. Those four guys who stood up on that stage at the ESPYs a few years ago, making such a point about how athletes needed to get involved, and the fact that there are now this new, younger generation of athletes we have seen out on these streets making a difference has been just, I think, really significant and something we're going to continue to watch. All right, coming up, we have a conversation with one of the athletes who was out on the streets peacefully protesting this weekend, Malcolm Brogdon. Stick around. It could be a routine drive to pick up the kids after school or an epic road trip across the country. No matter where your travels take you, we know those miles count. We're Marathon. We have over 5,700 stations across our great nation. Our people are working hard every day to provide you with quality top-tier gasoline to improve engine performance and fuel your life. Marathon, fueling the American spirit. Though we're apart these days, we're sharing more. So at Geico, we'd like to say thanks. Thanks for sharing your savage dance moves. Thanks for sharing your DIY haircut fails. Thanks for sharing your inner lip sync star. Now it's our turn to share with the Geico Give Back. A 15% credit on car and motorcycle policies for current and new customers. Because we're committed for the long haul, the 15% credit lasts your full policy term. Visit geico.com slash giveback for more info and eligibility. Wednesday at 8 o'clock Eastern on ESPN, it's Game 6 of the 2015 NBA Finals, marking the Warriors snapping a 40-year title drought. Welcome back to The Jump and welcome into Malcolm Brogdon from the Indiana Pacers, former Rookie of the Year. But Malcolm, we also really wanted to talk to you today because you and the Celtics, Jalen Brown, have been participating together in those peaceful protests in Atlanta. 
what has that been like? Oh uh, man, it's uh, it's been quite an experience. Um, being from Atlanta, uh, being in the Deep South, you grow up seeing a lot of um, racial issues, a lot of discrimination. You sort of grow up in that environment. Um, so I, you know, this is something that's been these things have been happening for a long time now. Um, I just think we're just now uh, seeing them. They're just now, you know, having footage of them being spread. Um, the other day, I was able to participate in the protests with Jalen. Uh, he led it. Thought he did a terrific job. Um, we just protest, protested downtown Atlanta um, and, you know, uh, trying to affect change as much as we can. What's the main message you want people to hear? I want people to hear that, you know, this is, this is something that uh, has been going on for over 400 years for, for people of color. And we are at a stage now where people are desperate. People are uh, losing hope. And, and people of color, black and brown people are losing. Um, we, we're at our wit's end. And um, at this point, we need help. At this point, we need other people. We need uh, people of different races to step up with us, to step you know, in front of us, beside us, and support us, to speak up. Um, because you know, I think there's so much of the focus that's being put on uh, the violence that's going on, the looting. And in no way do I condone the violence, but at the same time, I don't think that should be our focus. I think our focus should be on uh, the oppressors, not the oppressed. So there are ways we, we need to vote. We have to get out and vote on the local level, on the state level, on the federal level. We have to get out and vote as a, as a whole. Um, but also those that are, um, you know, uh, specifically white people have to help. They have to. We have to find the white people that are in high enough positions that have notoriety that can speak up for us and help. So these are, you know, there's there are multiple conversations going on, but at some point action has to be, um, you know, put to the test. And, uh, you know, th- there's only so much African-Americans can do. There's only so much weight our voices do hold. And that's why it's important for uh, people of other races to step in and use the weight of their voice to impact change. When you were in downtown Atlanta peacefully protesting, what was the reaction you got from other members of the community or the police who were listening to you? Did you have more people joining up with you or more people trying to work against you? Definitely had a lot of people uh, joining in, a lot of African-Americans joining in, um, even white people joining in, um, saluting us, uh, supporting us as they drove by. But at the same time, there was, uh, you know, Atlanta Police Department driving on either sides of us. And it did get, it, there were confrontations. It did get a little bit physical. Um, a few people were detained and arrested, uh, which was completely unnecessary. It was a peaceful protest. Um, but, you know, there, the, there's so many um, fear tactics that are used against people of color and people that are standing up for something that's right. So, you know, it was a, it's a humbling experience, but I think it's very, um, I think, courageous for, you know, all of our, all of my ancestors, all of my grandparents, everybody's grandparents that went through this for years in the 60s and even before that, that were fighting for our rights. And we're mm-hmm. still fighting today. Well, you play for the Pacers now, but you were a member of the Bucks when Milwaukee guard Sterling Brown went through a version of this. He was beaten and tased for a parking violation. That was a few years ago. But what impact did that have on you? Uh, significant impact. Sterling came into practice the next day and he said, um, he didn't say much. And people were asking, why is your face bruised? You know, you have your, you know, your eye is, you know, pretty swollen. He's a pretty, you know, he, he keeps to himself, but then he told us the situation. 
and that's when it exploded. And the and the Bucks were br- were really upset about it. The, our, you know, the team I was upset about it. Um, and you know, it what his situation showed is you can be an NBA player, you can be a celebrity, you can be all these different high profile, serve all these different high profile positions, but at the same time you are still a black man. I am a, you know, uh, a, I think a well-known NBA player, a point guard for the mm-hmm. Pacers. But when I leave the arena and I go home, I'm a black man. And I'm, I'm going to be treated as such, no matter how much money I have, no matter what car I drive. And, you know, this also brings up the element of, um, you know, black people also have to worry about their kids. Their, their kids in the streets, their, our children, um, you know, the younger generation, we have, it doesn't matter if we're NBA players, we have kids and we're going to have to train them. Why should we have to train our kids to not get shot when they get pulled over by the police, when they're driving home from school, um, when they're walking home the street and they have a hoodie on? Why should they not have to wear a hoodie? You know, and, and it's just, it's such a backwards way of having to prepare your kids for the real world. Um, it's something that has to change. Absolutely. I want to ask you a little bit more about those experiences because I think one of the things that is so valuable about athletes speaking out is you reach some fans who had very different experiences themselves growing up than maybe you did. Even now, there's many white NBA fans who might not have any other six foot five black dudes in their Facebook friend group. They've got you. What can you tell those people about what you have to do in public just to get by every day when you're driving, jogging, walking that might be different from the average white American? Oh, when I'm in a car, uh, I always, um, um, I always, I never wear a hood. Um, I never, uh, I try not to speed um, because no matter what, I'm going to be a target. When they look in the car, even in a nice car, they're going to look in the car and it's a black man in the car. Therefore you are a target and there's more of a reason for them to pull you over because of the color of your skin. Um, I mean, I've had brothers, both my older brothers, countless times in high school. I remember when I was in middle school, they would get pulled over and, be patted down on the side of the road and their car would be searched. Just completely illegal actions were taken against them because of officers. And because my brother drove a crown Vic that, you know, he was going to be searched and he was going to, you know, be racially profiled. And those are the things that uh, black men and women have to deal with every single day um, that I think people of other races don't, don't, you know, I think understand, but also, can be completely ignorant to it and, and not know what's going on. Yeah, absolutely. Just to drive to the grocery store is a whole different thought process than a lot of other people out there. And those experiences are so important to share for people to understand how pervasive this is. What is the most useful thing that somebody watching us have this conversation right now, what can they do to support the fairness and the justice that you are fighting for? People of different races, I think, have to hold each other accountable. I think that's one of them. I think a lack of accountability is something we see in the um, with with police officers. It's something we see mm-hmm. in the criminal justice system. I think this is these are all symptoms of a larger problem. But it starts with accountability. It starts with people holding each other accountable, even when there's not an African American present. When you hear something racist, or you hear a stereotype, or you hear these things, hold someone accountable. When you see a wrongdoing. Don't let, Mm -hmm. you know, only African-Americans be the ones that are uh, upset and and going on about it. Be a part of be a part of the change for good. Well, Malcolm, I really, really appreciate your time. I appreciate the time you put in over the weekend alongside Jalen and so many others. We'll be looking forward to your continued leadership on this. Thank you. Of course. Thank you for having me. 
Coming up, report to indicate the NBA Board of Governors will approve Adam Silver's plan for a return to play this week. We'll discuss the ramifications of that next. Stick with us. It could be a routine drive to pick up the kids after school or an epic road trip across the country. No matter where your travels take you, we know those miles count. We're Marathon. We have over 5,700 stations across our great nation. Our people are working hard every day to provide you with quality top-tier gasoline to improve engine performance and fuel your life. Marathon, fueling the American spirit. Tomorrow at 10 Eastern on ESPN, it's 30 for 30 without bias. The documentary tells the story of University of Maryland legend Len Bias, who died of an overdose two days after the 86 draft. And coming up next year on ESPN, it's 20 minutes of Jalen and Jacoby, highly questionable around the horn. A two-hour Sports Center special is at 5 with the PTI guys joining at 5.30, and we cap the day with SVP. Sources tell our Ramona Shelburne and Adrian Wojnarowski that the NBA's Board of Governors is expected to approve Adam Silver's recommended plan for a return in a vote on Thursday. Now, there's a growing feeling that will be a 22-team plan, would include regular season and playing games for the playoffs. Meanwhile, Woj and Zach Lowe reporting the eight teams left out of that scenario may just have their own tournament later in the year just to shake off some of that rust. So, Perk, are you a fan of this proposal? Rachel, at this point, I don't even care what the format is. I don't care how many teams you bring back. Just bring back basketball. Basketball and sports in general is a sanctuary, not only to athletes, but to fans all around the world. And and when you look at sports, it's it's, it's a form of therapy, not only to the African-American culture, but to all cultures. And right now, the world needs therapy and the world needs healing. So just bring back basketball, period. I don't care how, what's the format. Just bring it back. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I agree with Perk. Look, at the end of the day, sports has always been something that has united us. Uh, you know, it is united cities. It is united states. It is united countries. And so I look at this right now and in this moment, our country has never been more divided. Uh, I think we need to be united in this moment. And hopefully basketball can be that venue, can be that that sport that helps launch bringing everyone back together. This is not just about the protests. This is everything that's been going on with the health uh, of our country and what's going on in the world. So I think everyone's in a very, very tense space, obviously. And if we can get sports going and get people together and have people looking at each other as just brothers and sisters again, uh, I, I think that's a great thing for sports. And as far as uh, the format, I think the format is great. I don't think the teams that are in the bottom eight should worry about coming back. There's not much to, to fight for. <laughs> right. But there are, a lot of teams, <laughs> right. there are a lot of teams in that little range that have an opportunity uh, to get into the postseason. And they should have that opportunity to get into the postseason now that basketball's back. So, guys, as players, would you feel this idea of having this play-in play tournament for the final couple spots on each side? that that would feel good to you, that the teams that hadn't made it yet would have earned that chance, and the teams that had made it, they wouldn't be getting robbed in some way? Yeah, I'm with it. I mean, because if you look at a team like the New Orleans Pelicans, you know they got the talent and was playing some of the best basketball before the pandemic. Now they get opportunity, so I'm with it. Richard, I know that you want as much juice and spice as possible, so I know which side you land on for sure. (laughs) Thank you, everybody, for joining us today. The Jump will be back tomorrow. We'll have more details to come.